the beginning, God created the skies and the land, and then he rested. And that always seemed kind of weird to me. I was like, why is God resting? He wasn't resting because he was tired. He wasn't resting because there was nothing else to do. He rested to enjoy what he had made. He ended every day of creation. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1 through 3, he ends each day of creation by saying, it is good. But on the final day, on the day he rested, he said, it is very good. Rest has a way of allowing us to see how very good so much of our lives are, how interconnected the goodness in our life is. Rest is holy because it's something God did. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Isn't that nice? Sometimes spiritual things are real hard. Taking a nap is not hard. It's a good, it's a good thing. It's a spiritual thing. Jesus took naps, right? Before we leave Genesis, though, for the rest of this message, consider this. By resting, God, as a part of his act of creating, was weaving a cycle of work and rest into the very fabric of creation. To fail to rest and to rest often and rest well is to live at odds with how God ordered the cosmos. And that's not all. Notice how the days are framed in Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at verse 5 here. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Why does that seem weird? Because I usually think there was morning, and then there was evening, and that makes the day. They start with the evening. In the ancient Jewish imagination, the day starts from rest and goes into work. We think of a day starting in the morning, starting with work, and going into rest. But in the Jewish tradition, days follow this pattern of night first and then day. Rest and then work. Still today, practicing Jews observe the Sabbath, beginning on the sunset of Friday until the sunset of Saturday. It starts at evening. Jewish festivals and feasts always began in the evening. They start from rest. And this practice of Sabbath was a special mark of the Jewish people. It set them apart in the ancient world. It still sets them apart today. Taking a day each week to rest and reflect on the abundance in their life and their world was countercultural and still is today. Now, growing up in evangelical churches, I mostly heard the Sabbath mentioned as, oh, thank God we don't have to keep the Sabbath, like it was some cosmic chore we had been freed from in Jesus. But look what Jesus said himself in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Mankind was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for mankind. God made the Sabbath as a gift for mankind for their benefit. I think God wants us to rest and remember that our lives are teeming with good. Despite all the chaos and heartbreak and ruin in a world wrecked by sin, there is incredible beauty and good, and rest helps us remember that. Rest reminds us to be content and empowers us to be people of love. And remember, that's what we've been chasing in this whole series. Today we're wrapping up our series on contentment. Becoming like Jesus, that is becoming a person of love and finding contentment, are the greatest treasures in life. If you spend your life on that, it has been well spent. So we're talking about how to learn. Uh, so we talked about how to learn to be content. And in week one, we said most people are becoming people by default, not design. And our default is toward anxiety and angst and apathy. In week two, we said we need to develop spiritual indifference to let go of things like our desire for wealth and health and status because these are obstacles to contentment and becoming people love. In week three, we talked about how we are not as content as we want to be because we're not as generous as we think we are. In week four, we said we are choosing not to be happy by refusing to be thankful. And in week five, we said humility is the soil that contentment grows from. And last week, what did we say? What did we talk about last week? People were like, I have no idea. That's okay. We talked about wisdom. Wisdom helps you make the right choices.
that lead to a life of flourishing, the life that every human being wants. Now, since last week, I've turned 40 now. It's official. I've been talking about it each week. I've officially turned 40 now, and we're ending our series by talking about the importance of rest and why rest is so important for us to develop contentment and become people of love. As humans, we need moments of rest and reflection. Without them, we will not become people of love. We will not become people that are content. Now, while the Sabbath, with all its roles and restrictions, are not commanded in the New Testament, I think the principles of Sabbath are on every page of Scripture, and I would argue woven into the very fabric of our reality. Rest, healthy rest, lets us enjoy what we already have. And that's what we've been looking for in this entire series, the ability to enjoy what we have, to find contentment. And rest makes us like Jesus, who over and over again took a nap. He went away to a quiet place to pray and worship. He enjoyed meals with friends. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples in John 15, verses 4 through 10. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them up and throw them into the fire. They are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, also I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. One commentator suggested the word abide can also be translated rest, which made me think of what Dallas Willard once said. He was once asked to describe Jesus with one word, and he said relaxed, which isn't the word I usually think of, but I found it to be very beautiful. Being a student of how Jesus lived and loved means that we should be relaxed. We should be at peace. We should be non-anxious presences, people that other people feel restful around. You ever be around those people and it just makes you like you feel anxious the whole time they just have that buzzy energy and you're like oh i just feel worse more anxious being around them than ever and then have you ever been around those people and you just sense a deep sense of rest they're still they're still sitting still they're with god and you just feel at peace around them jesus isn't full of angst or anxiety or apathy he's full of rest i want to just read that passage we just read again with using the word rest instead of abide. Just let this sink in for a minute. Just listen to this. This is Jesus's invitation to you. Rest with me as I do with you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it rests in the vine, neither can you unless you rest in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who rests in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not rest in me, he's going to be cast out as a branch and withered. They're going to be gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. If you rest in me and my words rest in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. As the Father loved me, also have I loved you. Rest in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will rest in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and rest in his love. Just think about this invitation from Jesus this morning. To rest in his love. You cannot do anything to earn his love or lose his love. The cross is a constant reminder that he has done everything for us, that he loves the world and he loves us enough to die for us. He loves you the same 
at your most brilliant moment of sacrifice and surrender, and he loves you the same at your lowest moment of depravity and chaos. Rest in that love. Whether you make it big or no one remembers you, whether you have a big house or a small house, whether your dreams come true or not, rest in his love. We can do nothing without him, so we can rest. It doesn't all depend on us. We can afford to slow down and rest. I'm really bad at resting. I just got off a week of a vacation, and uh, yeah, it takes me a long time for my brain to slow down because I just want to keep doing things because I feel like so much rides on me, and I have to get it done. Eugene Peterson says, if you don't take a Sabbath rest, something is wrong with you. You're doing too much. You think you're too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. When you're constantly working, you're going to start to confuse what God's doing with what you're doing, and you're going to start to feel the pressure that only God can handle. When we rest, we sense the love of God. We hear his voice. Now, if I was a cosmic evil, like the devil, the Satan, bent on mankind's ruin, I would do everything I could to keep humans busy. If when we rest, we sense God's love and we hear his voice, I would do everything I could to keep them busy, keep them exhausted so they do not rest so that they never sense the love of God. We exist today in a world, in a culture, that is specifically designed to keep you anxious, angsty, and apathetic. That's how our world system is designed. Turn on your television, that's what they're playing to, things to keep you anxious, angsty, and apathetic. It's designed to do that by keeping you busy and distracted and constantly your brain being stimulated and pulled in too many directions. Now, and I'm not saying this is like, guys, I got this all figured out, and I'm telling you what to do because I'm up here, and I'm like the sage, and I've got it all, all mapped out. No, I'm telling you this because I'm terrible at it. I'm so bad. Um, even when I stop moving my body, my brain is running a mile a minute. And research has shown that thinking can exhaust you 20 times faster than purely physical labor. So if you have a highly thought a job that involves a lot of thinking or processing information, you can be even more tired than someone who just physically works uh, for the same amount of time. I'm always thinking about the next task, and I'm always trying to plan for the next potential crisis. Many times crises that never come up. It's really hard for me to turn my brain off. And uh, we took a week's vacation um, last week, and we went up to the Catskills, and we got an Airbnb, and it was beautiful, and we saw mountains and waterfalls. Uh, it takes me about five days just for my brain to start being like, okay, you can shut off now. And that's just about the time that I come back, right? Um, I always leave this out-of-office reply on my emails, though, when I go away. It's from President Eisenhower. It says this, what is urgent is really, what is urgent is rarely important. What is important is rarely urgent. Let me say that again. What is urgent is rarely important. What is important is rarely urgent. Now, my coworkers think that I leave this on my emails for them, like, hey, this can wait to next week because it's really not important. Um, but it's actually for me because I need this reminder when I go on vacation that that text, that phone call, that work meeting, that situation that needs resolved, it can probably wait. They are urgent but not important. The important things, your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, your church, won't often demand your time like the urgent will, but they are the most important things in your life. Spending your life on the urgent won't make you content, won't make you into a person of love. Spending your life on the important will, and rest gives us the clarity to know the difference. 
when we slow down and rest, we can say, okay, this is urgent. This is screaming at me, but it's really not that important. This over here, not making a lot of noise, but this is important. This is how I should be spending my life. Um, you know how you can mark emails with an exclamation point if you really want somebody to notice it? If you don't, it's, it's a feature. You can send an email with an exclamation point, so when it comes through, it has a little red exclamation point. I had a coworker once who marked every email as important. Every email she sent was sent with an exclamation point. And when everything is important, nothing is. After a while, I realized her email about the lunch at work and her email about the critical situation, they both had exclamation points. After a while, nothing becomes important. All her emails just started being the same to me because they all had exclamation points. Many of us go through life acting as if everything is of equal importance. People of love don't make that mistake. People of love have priorities, and their priorities are other people and God. And rest has a way of resetting our priorities and reminding us what's important and what's merely urgent. As Mark Batterson, a pastor in D.C., likes to say, changing our pace, changing our place, ends up changing our perspective. And that's what rest does. It forces you to change your pace, forces you to change your place, and you end up with a changed perspective on life and what's important. Rest is really an act of rebellion in a world that celebrates hustle culture instead of Sabbath. So how do we rest? Now, that may seem like a silly question, but often in our modern world, we accept a pale substitute for rest because we don't rest frequently enough. We end up becoming exhausted. And rather than being able to have the energy to rest well, we have no energy when we're exhausted except to some, uh, find some type of escapism. We escape instead of resting. We run from our problems instead of resting to face them. Um, in the words of a clinical psychologist in Dallas, Texas, there is a stark difference between rest and unhealthy escape. Rest empowers us. It enables us to regain our strength our energy and our confidence and even our sanity so we can approach the responsibilities of tomorrow with our full potential. In contrast, unhealthy escape provides us with immediate gratification that while for a time may bring us happiness, control, or a pleasant numbness, it ultimately brings us to tomorrow feeling less prepared, less capable, and less hopeful. Let me just say that again. There is a stark difference between rest and unhealthy escape. When I face a crisis and I feel utterly overwhelmed, I am reminded that I am tired and I haven't rested enough to face it with my full strength. Um, there was one time on vacation, Hagrid got me up at 4 a.m. He had eaten something bad outside and he was being sick repeatedly throughout the Airbnb. And um, that day, when I got up at 4 a.m. with a sick dog for <laughs> hours and hours, and later on, when little small things came up, and I was like, why is this so overwhelming and frustrating? Because I was tired. And many times, we're going through life not getting good rest. We're simply finding avenues of escape. And as a result, when we come up against controversy or come up against crisis, we can't face it. It feels overwhelming to us. Where if we were rested, if we frequently took rest, throughout our week, then we would be able to face it with our full strength. Often when I feel overwhelmed, it's because I have spent my time in unhealthy escapes instead of using those limited windows for true rest. We've probably all experienced this, right? Sitting down in front of a TV for hours and you stand up and feel more tired than when you sat down. In a hustle culture, most of us are pursuing unhealthy escapes, not pursuing true rest. Because unhealthy escapes are easier 
than abundant, uh, they're more abundant and culturally accepted and encouraged. It takes hard work many times to carve out the time and discipline to do healthy rest that's going to help us approach tomorrow better. And honestly, people are just too busy and tired to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. People don't rest enough to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. Um, the lifestyle of most of us is designed to keep us anxious, angsty, and apathetic, not to make us into people of love, not to make us content. Which brings us back to this idea of Sabbath. I think we need to recapture some version of this ancient practice in our modern lives. Practicing holy rest may be the most important step to becoming people of love and learning to be content for us as modern Western Americans, because our culture is so against it. Your brain isn't designed to be endlessly productive. In fact, research shows us the brain is most efficient when it's allowed to move between periods of focus and unfocus. That's because per during periods of rest and play and relaxation, the brain is able to consolidate memories, crystallize learning, and work on problem solving. Even though it seems counterproductive, time spent resting actually makes you more productive. Rest, not hustle, will produce more results in your life. Research suggests that in an eight-hour workday, the average worker is only working, uh, only productive for two hours and 53 minutes. <laughs> That's not very much. That's right. You're probably only productive for around three hours a day. So guess what? You can afford to rest because you are not getting as much done as you think you are. The average American checks their phone 96 times a day. That's roughly every 10 to 15 minutes. Most Americans touch their phone with a click or a swipe 2,600 times a day. It's a constant source of distraction. All I'm saying is our lives are busy and unfocused and messy. Moments of mental stillness are replaced with constant notifications, likes, and Google searches. We don't let our brains rest. And I believe as a result, we miss out on contentment. So what does healthy rest look like? Well, it means stopping. Stop. That's literally what the word Sabbath or Shabbat means. It means stop. Stop and sit still. Reduce stimuli. Turn off notifications. Or even better, turn off your phone for a little while. Turn off screens like TVs or iPads. Eat clean, light food that doesn't make you feel sluggish and bloated and sick. Get outside. Sit in the quiet. Spend time with life-giving people. Sleep in. Nap. Pray. Worship. Give thanks. Sing. Snuggle with your spouse. Listen to music. Dance. Write. Create. Give yourself permission to be bored and let it spark new creations. There were one day we were just sitting in an Airbnb on vacation and there was like nothing around this little town to do. We had done everything we could do and we were just sitting there and uh, I just sat there for, for a few minutes bored and I was like, it's been so long since I've been bored because I always reach for the next thing and it's good. And you know what I did? I took out a piece of paper and I designed a new board game because sometimes when you just sit bored, that's when creation moves. That's when your creative spark happens. Another thing you should do as you try to practice healthy rest is pleasure stack. Psychologists have this idea of this pleasure principle idea where on your birthday or on an anniversary you stack like five or six of your favorite things into one day to make it the most epic day possible. It's called pleasure stacking. Um, so for instance for me it's like playing five board games in one day. I'm like what a great day! You know, that makes the day extra special. The, that concept, though, is what God designed to happen in your life once a week. No wonder why Jesus called holy rest a gift. It's a moment to unplug and say my problems, my unfilled, 
unfulfilled desires and all my undone tasks will be here when I come back. I'm not trying to escape them. I'm resting so that I can face them with new strength. Now, as great as that sounds, right? It's not easy. Rest can be difficult. Hurry is a form of dopamine addiction. Expect detox from it to be painful. The philosopher Dallas, Dallas Willard once called hurry the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day and urged followers of Jesus to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The faster you're moving, the more you will become exhausted before you realize you need to rest. Don't expect the enemy to be the enemy of hurry to be defeated easily or quickly. Hurry will keep clawing at you to not slow down. And even when you implement the principle for a few weeks or months and think you found a new rhythm, he will find new ways to try and throw you off track. Um, for the last few years, I've been trying one day a week to turn off my cell phone for 24 hours. I don't do it successfully every week, but I have found my anxiety levels go drastically down when for 24 hours I turn off my phone. Now, I know not everyone can do that. Not everyone's in a job or a position where they can do that. But it's amazing how just turning off one source of constant stimuli can just change so much of your personality and your emotional stability. Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And I think her logic is really good. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off our connection to God. They cut off our connection to other people. They cut off our connection to our own souls so we don't even know what we're feeling or what's going on inside of us. Loving people are moving slow enough to see someone else hurting and stop and help them. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? There was this guy beaten up by robbers left on the side of the road, and a priest and a Levite walked by, and they ignored him and kept going on because it was implied that they ignored the man because they had important temple tasks. They didn't have time to help the hurting man because they were so busy serving God. Helping other people is serving God. Rest reminds us, again, of the difference between the urgent and the truly important, be between the things that we're like, well, we're doing this for people, but somehow we're missing people in the midst of it. Sometimes the church, the very thing that is supposed to help you connect to God and to connect to other people, sometimes just makes you more busy. And we've worked really hard at Horizon to just not have a bunch of busy activities to keep you busy and try to be really careful with your time so you have the space to love your neighbors and rest. But I think sometimes it's good to remember that church is more than just services and music and messages so we're doing something we've never done before next sunday we won't have a service you're like i know i heard the announcements we're not having a service but we're not having anything online we're not having anything in person i want you to take next sunday take the morning and rest sleep in get brunch with a friend get outside enjoy the fall take a walk don't use it to pay bills or catch up on laundry or to do work stop do a true shabbat stop Worrying, stop working, stop wanting, and just take a moment and catch up on rest. Pray, reflect, give thanks. That's what I want you to do next Sunday. And then when we return on November the 26th, we're going to have this special service. And there's going to be a chance for you to share about what you're seeing God do in your life. What you heard God say to you in this series or in general or when you stopped for a minute and sat still. And there'll be a chance to share music or a poem or a prayer with us or something that you heard God said. So often I don't sense God's presence because I don't slow down enough to hear him and sense him and rest in his love. 
So I'm excited to hear what God has to say through you next week or two weeks because every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit in them and he wants to speak words of life through all of us. He just doesn't speak through me or people who stand up here. All of us have the Holy Spirit in us. When we're rested, we're most likely to hear from God. We're most likely to behave with love towards our neighbor. We're most likely to be content. Rest is stopping to savor all the good around you. Rest is a gift. When we refuse to rest, we're callously tossing aside a gift that the God of the universe is offering us. I want to end with this quote by John Mark Comer before we have our four reflections. Here's what John Mark Comer says. Sabbath is an expression of faith. Faith that there is a creator and that he is good. We are his creation. This is his world. We live under his roof, drink his water, eat his food, and breathe his oxygen. So on the Sabbath, we don't just take a day off from work. We take a day off from toil. We give him all our fear and all our anxiety and all our stress and all our worry, and we let go. We stop rolling and subduing, and we just be. We remember our place in the universe so that we never forget there is a God and we're not him. Four reflections as we end. So next Sunday, like I said, take a few hours, turn off your phone and rest. I understand you might be working, you may not be able to do this, but take some time, choose a day, turn off your phone, and just see, it'll feel like detox. It'll feel like coming off of a drug, but take a few hours, turn off your phone, Turn off your mind and rest. If you can do it next Sunday, great. If you can do it another day, do it then. Number two, start where you're at, not where you should be. Give yourself grace to start small. And so you don't have to instantly be like, 24 hours a week, I'm turning off my cell phone. And I'm, just start where you're at. Start small. Take slow steps. Your schedule may look completely different than somebody else's. That's, a, that's a, how the modern world works. That's okay. Figure out what works for you. Number three, identify some of your unhealthy escapes and begin to replace them with true acts of Sabbath rest. When you find yourself reaching for an escape, instead remind yourself that rest is what you are really craving. Um, my friends who were cigarette smokers talked about when they quit smoking, how they had to replace it with something else. And so my uh, one friend in Tennessee, um, he smoked, he was like a chain smoker, and he's like, I've got to stop this, it's killing me. And so he replaced it with running. And every time he wanted to smoke a cigarette, he would go out and run. Now he's run all these marathons and things because he found out that he really loved running. It was something healthy. He replaced the one with the other. You have to replace unhealthy escapes with healthy acts of rest. So think about what your unhealthy escapes are and then say, how can I begin to replace some of these with healthy things instead? Just saying, I'm going to stop the unhealthy things isn't enough. You have to have a healthy replacement. And finally, number four, we have a wind-down process when we put our toddler to bed. We sing her songs, we put on her pajamas, we read her books, we brush her teeth, and she knows, oh, I'm getting ready for bed because I'm in this process. Think about some ways that you can have a weekly wind-down process to practice rest each week. Maybe you'll be like, each night at this time, I'm going to put my phone in a drawer and not get it back out. Or maybe you're going to say, each night before, um, you know, before I take 24 hours and rest, I'm going to do these things, or I'm going to have this meal, or I'm going to have this special thing. Sometimes as a, um, as a modern church, we frown upon rituals, but really rituals are just habits with spiritual benefits. And so it's good to have some restful rituals in your week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this series. 
Um, thank you for 40 years of life. And thank you that you are teaching me contentment. I want to be content. I want to be able to enjoy what I already have. And I hope that this series helped other people enjoy what they have. And Lord, I hope that we are becoming people of love. Not just people who want more or get more or achieve more, but people who truly know you more, look more like you, and love to be in your presence more. Help us to rest in your love. And God, help me to remember that it doesn't all depend on me. I'm not God. You are. It's okay to rest because problems will come and problems will go, but we can face them at our best when we truly take a moment to rest and remember and see all the good in our lives and all that you have given us. God, thank you for how you're teaching me about rest, and I pray that you will uh, help that message to go into our very hearts in a world that is busy and anxious and stressed and moving so fast. Pray these things.